you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Going to Ray and Betty's garden this week was a highlight, despite the sunburn and despite the uh, humbling nature of it, because it uh, was a beautiful picture uh, of, uh, of a, a long faithfulness to a process. I listened to Betty tell stories of uh, Ray's father in the blackberry bushes, stories of, well, we planted these things ages ago, and then we planted these, and uh, we've just done the work. And uh, here's this uh, kind of background behind these beans and this story, and, and I got to watch them be part of uh, cultivating life. Um, a lot of scripture is full of agrarian pictures, right, of people doing gardening or farming. We're fairly disconnected from these. Uh, I, I grew up on a hog farm for work, um, but I was pretty much a city boy, but the people around me could grow stuff. I have never been successful. Uh, these these metaphors and uh, images in Scripture don't resonate as much for me because I can't bring forth 30-fold bounty uh, on, from seeds. Ray and Betty can. Uh, they can uh, hold together this picture of a huge garden, and I mean huge, uh, with, with the need to pluck this one little blackberry. If we pick it too early, uh, it's just hard and nasty, right, Betty? And if we leave it too late, the birds and the critters are going to get it, and it's going to be mushy and useless. And, and they could uh, kind of see the hole. Uh, Ray went over to start working on beans and sent me and Betty to go uh, pick the blackberries. And Betty told me exactly what to do, and I said about it, and I thought I was doing a fantastic job. I was holding in tension uh, the need to kind of see the hole of this blackberry bush. And friends, this blackberry bush is like three rows of our, of our sanctuary. This is huge. Uh, and I'm looking for the just perfect ones and plucking them. And I get it over my side done, and Betty's about halfway through her side, so I'm already a little bit worried. Uh, and, and I come to start talking to her, and, and we just chat, and then she comes back to my side and finds all the berries I missed. <laughs> um, I struggled to see the berries for the hole. Uh, and then when I looked for the berries, I struggled... Uh, because I would get focused on this one particular branch. And I'd see a bunch there, but I would miss the ones all around it. And they somehow were able to do these very things. And, and uh, it got me thinking about the folks in my life who have been able to grow stuff. My, my grandparents grew stuff. My father grew stuff. And, uh, and these scriptures are just full of stories of people growing stuff. Um, you know, this parable from Matthew that Jake just read, uh, if we can pretend that we are... Uh, in Ray and Betty's garden, we can situate ourselves. Uh, Ray and Betty uh, have gone out and sowed seeds. They have uh, thrown them on different parts of their garden that are prepared, and, uh, and despite everything they have done, some have grown and others have not. I was expecting some heirloom tomatoes, and we got like three little ones. Tomatoes have struggled this year for them. Uh, something happened in that soil that tomatoes uh, despite the best efforts of the sower, despite uh, all put into them did not grow. And yet, uh, over here, the blackberries are uh, multitudinous. They had more cabbage than I think they could eat in ages. Uh, 
I wasn't even going to talk about farming this week. I was going to just talk about Romans. Uh, but, but it's been special to me because it connected me to this gospel story, but it also connected me to my father. Uh, Dad could garden uh, and make life burst forth. Uh, Ray and my dad plant the same kind of beans, and so I, I cooked beans that tasted like home this weekend. And I thought back to these times of us in the garden and me not having a clue what to do, but him knowing exactly how to bring forth life. And I've been thinking about my dad um, for all sorts of reasons lately. Um, he's been uh, fresh on my mind, and uh, especially as we've been in this book of Romans, I've been thinking about him and uh, how he kind of lived his life. Um, I often ask you about your childhood churches and what the gospel was at your churches. And what I'm beginning to realize is that really I need to ask you what the gospel was in your home. Uh, what is the, the story that was told by those around you and how does it shape and form you? If I'm being really honest, I've probably put on my home church uh, a lot of things that were actually from my home. Um, you know, I, I had Pastor Ray Holtzclaw and Sid Huggins and David and Carol Gehring. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't remember a single sermon they preached. Youth, this is not permission to check out completely yet. Um, but I don't remember ever a sermon that has now stuck with me where I can be like, David preached X, Y, or Z. But I remember lots of things that my mother and father uh, said or did and how they shaped my understanding of the gospel. Mom was definitely a gospel woman. Jesus loves us. Uh, Jesus came for us. Praise be to God. Not very showy with her faith, but that was uh, kind of her gospel story. I'm realizing the older I get and the more I think about theology, how much my father has shaped me. Dad's gospel was very much a, a reading of Paul that can happen too often. I am a wretched sinner. I can't believe God would love me. What do I need to do to make sure God does love me? Uh, and this, uh, this shaped and formed him for most of his life and in turn shaped and formed me for most of my life. Dad uh, would pray harder and pray longer. He would memorize more scriptures and read more books because he always came back to, I am such a mess. I know what I want to do and I don't get it right. And this was most of our life. If I could just pray more, if I could help with the youth group more Sundays, if I could do more things to serve, if I could cook more meals for the United Methodist women, if I could do X, Y, or Z, I'd feel better about the state of my soul. That deeply shaped me and formed me in ways that I'm only uh, fully unpacking at this stage in life. Uh, it's weird with Dad uh, coming up here as we were heading uh, towards him dying, uh, to hear him tell stories about how... Um, how distant God felt in the midst of some of the times I thought he was doing the most Christian things. Dad lived a lot of his life, like Paul is uh, explaining in our book of Romans. We have uh, journeyed up to the point we got last week where Paul is unpacking kind of this tension within his life that I think is the same tension my father felt, which is I know in my head how things should look but I keep doing these things I don't want to do, and I'm a mess. 
And for about 70 of his 78 years, that is where it stopped. It ended with Romans chapter 7. I know what I want to do, but I do the things I don't want to do. He came to offerings one time and heard me preach a sermon from Amos, and it was on this passage in Amos about a plumb line that you can use to measure the, uh, like the plumbness, the straightness of a wall. Chad could explain this way better than me, but you're making sure your walls are straight or your building's going to fall down. And we talked about this uh, plumb line uh, for us as a measure of, of how we're doing with God, and, and I explained that I see the plumb line as this question of are we loving God and loving others? And from that day forward, uh, Dad and I began this conversation of, of grace and of uh, freedom and forgiveness in Christ. And it's, uh, it's humbling and frightening uh, to be uh, the son talking to your father about the love of Jesus and trying to help uh, the Spirit set him free. But in the last few years of his life, he understood that, uh, that though sin was around and though he did things he didn't want to, he did have something. He had the promises of our passage this week. Darren read to us from Romans chapter 8, and it's a long passage, and we can just take one sentence, and we can sit down, and I promise you, I'm going to sit down really soon, because it's this simple. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All week I've wanted to make this more complicated and give you like the three steps to finding no, uh, no condemnation. I've wanted to make it uh, things you need to go do, but all that does is reinforce this thing my father's struggled with our whole life, that we can ever go do anything uh, to find ourselves in Christ. Instead, we simply do what Paul has been saying the whole time, which is we believe. We believe that the same God who brought forth life for Abraham and Sarah, the same God who went to the cross for us, loves us, enough to die for us, that that same God's power rose him from the dead to defeat sin and death and set us free. Last week, Paul talked about his mind, the reason, and he talked about the appetites, his body, but he didn't talk about the spirit. But this week in this passage, he, he says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give you a new body. Nowhere in there does it say, hey, Holly, you got to read more books. I'm not saying, Holly, you got to read more books. We should all read more books. Nowhere does it say, hey, Shan, you should pray more. Nowhere does it say, hey, Mac, you should do X, Y, or Z. It doesn't say anything. Instead, it says, the Holy Spirit will do this for you. And for you, friends, there is freedom in the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit last week about scriptural holiness and the marks of someone whose life is being transformed in Christ. And friends, these, these marks, uh, we talked about growing in love of God and neighbor, growing in the practice of the spiritual disciplines, in mercy and justice and stewardship, of bearing the fruits of the Spirit, of being invitational and, and uh, multiplying your faith. These things, when we find ourselves in Christ with no condemnation, are beautiful, beautiful means of grace. But if we're stuck back here with, I am messed up and doing the things I don't want to, and we use these as tools to try to get God's love or earn something from God, they are an anchor that will drown us. Friends, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Just as Abraham simply had to believe, so too do we.
And then we can lean on the promises that the Spirit will come upon us and offer us a new body, that our lives will be transformed by the Spirit and through the Spirit, and there is nothing we could earn, nothing we could do, uh, no uh, means we could use uh, to make it happen. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, often we make it too complicated. And we could stand here and talk for another 10 minutes about this, but uh, set us free. Help us find freedom in you that uh, the fear and the worry and the striving could be pushed aside and that in you we might find peace and rest. Lord, we're often quick to condemn ourselves. Would your spirit testify to our spirit that we are your beloved children and set free from that condemnation? Lord, will you free us from uh, works where we seek to earn your love and instead set us free to experience your means of grace that we might love you even more? Lord, even in these very moments as we prepare to come to your table, would you uh, begin to lavish us in grace in ways that we cannot even fully understand that, uh, that you might do your work of setting us free? that we might grow in love of you and love of our neighbor, and that we might go forth and bear witness to your faithfulness. We pray all this in the name of the one who did save us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.